A lot of people are probably resetting their expectations for the Gamecocks after their Week 1 loss against North Carolina. But South Carolina still has one important goal that is very much attainable this season. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank y'all so much, as always, for making the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both wherever you get your audio podcasts daily and also on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. South Carolina, in regards to people's expectations for this football program heading into the 2023 season, there was a variety of predictions that were made. There were some people that were saying they thought this team might just go 6 and 6. There were some other people out there saying that they thought this team might go 10 and 2. And I know that there were some fans out there that were probably thinking that this team had a chance to maybe go even 11 and 1 possibly this fall if everything fell the Gamecocks way. But after week 1, it feels like that all of that has drastically changed. Now people are going back and either erasing the predictions that they've made or they're changing them after what they saw on Saturday. And although the Gamecocks did drop a perceivable toss-up game in Week 1 in ugly fashion, they can still accomplish a really big goal for this year, and that's making it to a bowl game. Now, I know that some people are not going to like the comment that I just made because I know that there are some people out there that probably feel like that at this point, South Carolina should be above just aiming to make it to a bowl game. And to a certain extent, I would agree with you considering what Shane Beamer has done to this point in his tenure. And there's also going to be people out there that might sit there and say, well, yeah, there's 11 games left on the schedule, so of course South Carolina could still make it to a bowl game. Like, it is, in a way, pretty obvious. And to a certain extent, I do agree with people that think that way as well. But, making it to a bowl game, especially based on what we saw this past week, it's not going to be as easy as we might have thought before the 2023 season began. When looking at the remainder of this 2023 schedule... South Carolina has got a lot of toss-up games, and they've got a couple games that are going to be flat-out very difficult to win, especially their road games. But there are also some games that the Gamecocks can definitely put in the win column for the 2023 season. And there's three games that I look at when it comes to that category. One is Furman. Now, I made it clear on our Monday show, that the Furman game does terrify me a great deal. But South Carolina is going to be favored in that game, and based on the talent gap on paper, it would not surprise me if the Gamecocks struggled per se. 
But South Carolina should still win that game. Vanderbilt, you could also throw into this category. Jacksonville State, you could throw into this category as well. South Carolina should still win each of those three games. If they drop any of those games, then everything has completely gone off the rails as far as the 2023 season is concerned. Now, looking at the schedule, there are two games, in my opinion, that South Carolina, realistically speaking, isn't going to win. Georgia is an obvious one. And the other one, I think, as of right now, is Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M, if I'm going to say that I think South Carolina's got more talent on paper than teams like Furman, Vanderbilt, and Jacksonville State, and use that as a reason why the Gamecocks will win all those games, I can't just completely look past that when I talk about a team like Texas A&M. You combine that with the fact South Carolina's going to be playing them on the road, it's going to be a revenge game for the Aggies after what happened last year, and the Aggies have a bye week before that matchup. It just does not shape up well for South Carolina in terms of all of the advantages and factors that will be on Texas A&M's side when that game takes place. So I think South Carolina right now, they're going to lose both of those games, and I think it's pretty likely no matter what the situation is. And that leads into the rest of the games, essentially all of the toss-up games for South Carolina. Those games, in my opinion, are Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, and Clemson. Based on what I said earlier, South Carolina is going to have to find a way to win three of those games, defeat three of those opponents. And when it comes to trying to find wins out of these remaining games, there's a couple that I have a lot more confidence in than some of the others. One that jumps out to me is Mississippi State. Now, this game is going to take place in week four. It is going to be taking place after South Carolina's game against Georgia. Some people are going to automatically think that that means that there's going to be a higher likelihood South Carolina will lose that game because of the quote-unquote Georgia effect, where you just get so physically beat up and worn down in that game that it has an after effect, and it carries over into your next game. Well, if we're going to say that about Georgia... I think we should still say that about Alabama as well, who Mississippi State happens to be playing, I believe, in week three before they have to go to South Carolina and then come back and play LSU. So Mississippi State and South Carolina, no one wins the schedule dynamic advantage. South Carolina has home field advantage. Talent's about even. I still have a ton of questions about that coaching staff from Mississippi State. South Carolina, in my opinion, should still win that game. Even if it means they have to win ugly, they should still find a way to win. Florida is another game that I think the Gamecock fans should still feel confident about. Florida has their own share of problems right now on both sides of the ball. They did not look good against Utah in Week 1. Granted, Utah is a very good football team and is going to be contending for another Pac-12 championship. The last Pac-12 championship ever, it seems like, in 2023. But Florida, they've got issues at quarterback, or at least it doesn't seem like that they have stability at quarterback. They've got a serious lack of weapons offensively at the skill positions. Defensively, they looked like they were a bit slow out the gate, in all honesty, against Utah. South Carolina gets them at home. It's coming off of their bye week. And again, that is also a revenge game right there. I think South Carolina gets Florida. And then at the end of the season, against Kentucky and Clemson, 
I don't think Safcon is going to get both of those games. But I definitely think they can get at least one of the two. When it comes to Kentucky, Kentucky's defense is very fundamentally sound. Those guys don't beat themselves very often. Brad White is a fantastic defensive coordinator. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball. Kentucky's got really good skill position talent. They got Devin Leary at quarterback. Liam Cohen's back as their OC. They definitely have got a lot going in their favor right now. But Kentucky's defense, while they play fundamentally sound, they're not exactly disruptive in terms of causing havoc plays, getting tackles for loss, racking up sacks. They're not exactly known for that. And they also don't have a ton of depth offensively at some of these spots behind some of their star players. So if a couple guys get dinged up like typically teams usually do in the SEC, they could be in some trouble by the time this matchup comes up. And then Clemson, most of us likely saw what Clemson did against Duke on Monday night. Uh, Clemson does not look like a complete football team right now. That defense is no longer the vaunted defense that it was five, six, seven years ago under Brent Venables. And offensively, yeah, they still do not have a really dangerous receiver, it seems like, in that receiving core. Maybe Antonio Williams could be that guy, but um, point being, playmakers are lacking in that offense outside of at least Will Shipley. So South Carolina could definitely get Clemson, especially considering the fact they get their rivalry game this year in Williams-Brice Stadium. So point being, South Carolina can still make it to a bowl game, and that should be a goal for this team even after what happened in week one. And I know some people are going to like that, but in all honesty, we're going to have to deal with that because this season and also likely next season to a certain degree is going to be full of growing pains with this football team. And I'm going to explain why that will be the case in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Now, I know a lot of you Gamecock fans are going to be going to some of these games this fall. And because of that, you're going to be out there in that dreaded Columbia heat and humidity. So you're going to want to try to find new ways to stay cool and stay comfortable at the same time. And the best way to do that is to check out Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs has got shorts and pants that will help you to stay both cool and dry throughout Saturdays in the fall. I got plenty of these shorts from Bird Dogs, and I can promise you I wear these all the time, but I know I'm going to be outdoors for a really long period of time. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LockdownCollege at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And speaking of every single day, as always, thank you to each and every one of you every day for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. If we had to recalibrate our expectations for this season in terms of what we would expect from South Carolina, we would call this season a season full of growing pains. Some of the regression that we saw last weekend, some of which will likely stick throughout the entirety of this season, admittedly, thinking about it, 
it was going to happen eventually. On South Carolina's football team right now, according to 24-7 Sports Team Talent Composite Rankings, the Gamecocks currently have 26 blue-chip prospects, or prospects that were five- or four-star players coming out of high school. Here's the stat I want you all to really pay attention to here. Out of those 26 blue-chippers on South Carolina's roster, 17 of them are first- or second-year players players in the program and only one of them right now is a bona fide starter for the Gamecocks and that is Stone Blanton at linebacker my point is most of the best players most of the most talented players on this roster are some of the youngest players on this roster as well And the areas that don't have a high concentration of these players, well, let's just say it's pretty obvious which positions we're referring to there. But as for the rest of the position groups, the young guys either aren't ready yet or the staff doesn't want to just throw them out there quite yet. So what does all of this mean, especially after what happened last week? Well, what this means is there's going to be a youth movement over the next couple of years. 2023 is sort of the beginning of that youth movement. There was a lot of veterans that did leave this team last year, especially when you look at offense. Offensive linemen like Eric Douglas, Javon Gwynn, Dylan Wonham, guys that have been in this program for a very long time, all suddenly walked out the door. At wide receiver, Josh Van, Jalen Brooks, a couple guys that have been in this program for at least three years. Both of those guys... Walked out the door. At linebacker, Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson, both of the guys literally were six-year seniors. They brought 12 years of college football experience to the field for South Carolina. Both walked out the door. Darius Rush, fifth-year senior, walked out the door. Cam Smith, I believe a three- or four-year player, either way, walked out the door. You lost a lot of veteran contributors on this team last fall. And now in 2023, we are starting to see the beginning of this youth movement in which some of these young guys are starting to take over some of those spots that I just mentioned. I mentioned Stoneplan at linebacker, for example. And there's other guys that, hey, they might not be starting right now, but that doesn't mean that they won't be playing a big role for this team by season's end. You look at maybe Dontavious Braswell at running back. He could be a guy that increasingly gets more snaps and looks in this offense as this season progresses. You look at Tree Babalade and Marky Anderson and Trevon Ball on the offensive line. Maybe at wide receiver, you look at an Elijah Caldwell. There are a ton of players that are going to have to play snaps whether they are 100% ready or not. At times this season... Culture is going to be needed to keep this locker room together, to keep guys' heads up. Because if they play like they played against North Carolina in some of these other games, South Carolina is going to lose several more times this fall. And a couple of those games might be a little bit ugly, in all honesty. But culture is also going to be needed to keep this class together, which I will say, I don't think Shane is going to have to worry about the recruiting class too much. A lot of those guys, I think, are fully bought into his vision for the future. And the point is, what happens this season 
should not and does not take away from what they did last season. The progress that has been shown the past couple of years. Having a bit of a down year in 2023 should not just cancel all that out. And it's not going to, in my opinion. In 2024, we will see incremental improvement from this team. But changes will have to occur in certain areas in the 2023 offseason. For example, South Carolina, they're going to have to be more aggressive in the transfer portal. That does not mean you have to become Ole Miss in the portal. And we'll talk about the transfer portal in a little more detail in just a few minutes. But positions like wide receiver, you might need to attack those positions a little bit more in the portal. Also, let's be honest. Shane Beamer might have to make a couple of tough decisions regarding some of his coaches on his staff. And I'm certainly not going to name names. But I think some of us can agree that there's a couple coaches that they've got to show up this year. Their units need to show up this year in order to be given the chance to potentially stick around. And then in 2025, if the right changes are made after this season and recruiting does not drop off, this team will be much better and will be ready to be competitive on an annual basis and not have years full of setbacks. That is what this team needs to aim for. In all honesty, that is reality for South Carolina right now. Progression is not always linear. Shane Beamer has said it himself. This team is on a bus right now, riding up the mountain. And they're trying to get up to the tippity top of that mountain. But the thing is, with every road, especially on the mountainside, you're going to run into bumps. You're going to have some people get off the bus. You're going to have others join you on that bus. The way that you started at the beginning of a certain leg of your trip or at the beginning of your trip is not going to be the way you finish. That is what we have to remember about this team moving forward. Yes, we're going to see a couple more games like the North Carolina game. There's going to be more games that are going to make some of you question whether or not this team is still heading in the right direction. My message to you would be, consider where this roster is currently at. In terms of talent at a couple spots, that's not all on Shane Beamer's staff, but also in terms of the lack of experience some of these guys have. Talent does not always show up immediately on day one in terms of a guy reaching his full potential. It doesn't. It just does not happen very often unless you've got a really, really, really special player. And I think South Carolina, they've got a bunch of really, really good players on this team. But they need time. They deserve a chance to go through some growing pains. And so those growing pains are going to encompass the 2023 season more than likely. And it will also linger to a certain extent in the 2024 season. But 2025, that's got to be the year where if Shane Beamer keeps things on track, makes the right decisions in terms of maybe altering his program, whether it is his coaching staff or the way that he operates maybe in the portal or even something else I'm not even talking about. If he does all of that and a lot of these guys develop, and they're given the time to do so, this team will rise back up, and they will hit a higher peak than they did in the past couple of years. But 2023 is going to be the valley of this youth movement. There has to be some struggle 
in order for there to be a product that this fan base can truly be proud of. So let us remember all of that as the Gamecocks continue to go through the 2023 football season. Now, I've mentioned the transfer portal several times in that entire conversation. And this past weekend proved a lot of narratives, correct, regarding the transfer portal. Some narratives that some people might not like, but we have to acknowledge them. And we also have to look at, what does it mean for South Carolina? How do they need to treat the transfer portal moving forward? We're going to touch on all that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're a new customer, you can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Also, if you bet $5, you will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a pretty good deal right there, especially if you're dealing with Spectrum issues right now in ESPN. The Detroit Lions set to take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night in a game that will kick off the 2023 NFL season. The Lions are six and a half point dogs right now, according to FanDuel. Do you think that Dan Campbell and the Lions could go all the way this year? If so, now is the best time to join FanDuel so you can bet on blockbusters like this one. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. This past weekend showed us a lot regarding the transfer portal's role in college football. You cannot be a net loser in the transfer portal in today's college football. Watching some of the games from this past weekend, we saw a team like Florida State who has not necessarily lived on the transfer portal year in and year out, but this past offseason, Mike Norvell and the Seminoles, they went all in on several big-time players that were in the portal, brought them into their program. Some people thought that it wasn't going to work. I admittedly was a part of that group. I thought the Seminoles were going to just fall flat on their face in 2023. And after week one, it seems like we were dead wrong about that team. We were dead wrong about the transfer portal additions having maybe a negative effect on, say, team chemistry or team camaraderie. Didn't seem to affect it all that much against the LSU Tigers. They blew the Tigers out of the water. You look at a Colorado. Deion Sanders controversially flipped an entire roster. Basically told a bunch of guys that um, you might as well go ahead and look at the portal. You might as well go to look elsewhere. Brought in, I believe, at least 65 or more new scholarship players. They went out there and defeated the national runner-ups from this past season in TCU at their home field in Week 1. Those two teams were clearly net winners from the transfer portal cycle this past offseason. And that showed this past weekend. Looking at it from South Carolina's standpoint, we have to acknowledge the fact that in hindsight, The Gamecocks were a net loser in the transfer portal. 
Now, that does not mean, of course, that some of the guys the Gamecocks brought in weren't good additions. I'm not saying that at all. But, did it totally make up for some of the guys that they lost this past offseason? Losses like Marshawn Lloyd at running back, whom a lot of you try to say was injury-prone while he was here at South Carolina. He missed the entire 2020 season due to a torn ACL played all of 2021, and then played like two-thirds of the regular season in 2022 before suffering a deep quad or deep thigh bruise against Missouri. Another really, really serious injury. It wasn't like he missed like three-quarters of the games he could have played in during his Gamecock career. Corey Rucker, wide receiver. Now, Corey Rucker left for different reasons. Reasons that people don't need to know about. Reasons that seem to be similar to why Jalen Brooks took some time away from the football program halfway through the 2021 season and into the 2021 offseason. But Corey Rucker, he would be definitely serviceable as a rotational piece right now in this wide receiver room. No question about that. Gilbert Edmond and Jordan Burch at defensive end. Again, I know what some of y'all are going to say. Jordan Burch did not have the biggest sack numbers in his career here. Sure, he didn't. But I think that Jordan Birch could have probably affected the quarterback a little bit more than some of these other guys did on Saturday night. I think Gilbert Edmund could have made more of an impact in terms of rush defense against the Tar Heels. I think both of those guys could have helped this team out on Saturday night. And at least based on this first game, losing those two guys, plus the other guys I just mentioned, you could argue that it was nearly a net loss for this team. That's not even including some of the other guys that they lost to other teams. Like Austin Stockner going back to Oklahoma. Jaheim Bell going to Florida State. You get my point here. You don't have to be like an Ole Miss. Where you live off of the portal every year. Every offseason. And I don't think South Carolina should do that. I don't think that's a viable strategy to employ every single year. But South Carolina cannot have multiple offseasons. Where they are, objectively speaking, a net loser in the transfer portal. In terms of what they lose... Versus what they bring in. You look at a team like Arkansas. This past offseason. Arkansas lost a couple of big time players from their squad. They lost backup quarterback Malik Hornsby. They lost safety Miles Slusher. Wide receiver Keetron Jackson. Safety Jalon Catalan. One of the best defensive backs in the SEC when he was healthy. Tight end Trey Knox. Came to South Carolina of course. Arkansas turned around and didn't just fill in those holes, but they also added more talent on top of that. They got guys like North Carolina transfer Jacoby Criswell at quarterback. They got wide receivers like Andrew Armstrong, Tyrone Broaden, Isaac Tesla, Titan Varkis Gums. They got defensive players like Jaheim Singletary, Tank Booker, Lorando Jackson, several other players that are very likely either in the two deep or starting for them this year right now. That is a great example of offsetting your losses by getting guys at those positions and then stacking talent at other spots. South Carolina needs to aim to do that in the transfer portal every year. Again, not saying you got to bring in like 10, 15, 20 guys. You don't have to hit a certain number. But... Stack up some talent some of these spots. Don't be afraid to go out there and go after some of these guys. Florida State did that. Look at what they did against LSU week one. Look at how quickly they closed the gap between themselves and some of the top teams in the country this past fall. 
Look at a team that doesn't use the transfer portal at all like Clemson. Look at what's happened to them. You think that they would like to go back and go after some of these transfer portal wideouts? I guarantee you, all those Clemson fans would be screaming emphatically yes to that question. So South Carolina, all in all, they don't have to use the transfer portal as a lifeline every year. They don't have to do that. I think having a culture of developing the talent that you bring in and recruiting players using that pitch isn't a bad thing. I think Shane Beamer should stick with that. I think that over time, it's going to make South Carolina more unique compared to a lot of these other programs. However, you also do have to acknowledge that you cannot just sit there and twiddle your thumbs when it comes to the transfer portal anymore. If you lose a couple of guys, maybe guys you didn't want to lose in the first place, go out there and fill in the void as best you can, and then get some other guys to fill in other spots. Make this roster as complete as possible. If you're not doing that, then you're not fulfilling your role as a coaching staff, quite frankly. Last weekend showed why the transfer portal is now so important in today's college football. So if you're South Carolina, you got to find a niche with the portal. At the minimum, you got to be using it every offseason. Because if you avoid the portal or you don't use it to the best of your abilities, it will catch up to you. It's already caught up to your arch rivals. Don't let yourselves become the next example when it comes to the portal. With that being said, that does it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on South Carolina's path to becoming bowl eligible? Do you think that it's still attainable? And if you do, what games do you think the Gamecocks could win on the schedule? Also, what are your thoughts on the potential growing pains that some of these freshmen could go through this season and next year? What do you think the timeline looks like for Shane Beamer and this program? And lastly, what do you think last weekend proved about the transfer portal? How do you think the Gamecocks should utilize the portal moving forward? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or should we direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in as always. Have a great rest of your Tuesday and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>